out. And I can just do that on the editing side. Stick out the mandolin and the <laughs> voice. The whole thing, really. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Erith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, Jay Gonzalez. Hey Jay, how's it going? It's going swell, man. How's it going with you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Fun. Exciting weekend. It's overcast right now, so I'm kind of glad I'm tired of the sun, really, but it's been great. Yeah, doing any any highlights, any particular things that stand out over the weekend? Uh, we went to Suquamish Falls, did a hike there, went down to the nice. very top to the nice. very bottom, um, and I bought the Rose City Comic Con tickets yesterday, so we're excited to go. Oh, do you're that. going to Rose City? Yeah, show us pretty good. Um, Am I going to that with you? You can. <laughs> are we, are we, There's going to be a group of us going, so you can still buy tickets. Yeah. It's easier to get than Emerald City. I didn't get an invite, dog. Didn't I? I Bro. sent it on the Slack. Nobody pays attention. To, it's like fucking. Get in line. JR's <laughs> got peeps. He's got mouths to feed. But we're going with people that <laughs> been there. They go every year, so that's that was kind of nice. So we're like, we're gonna go. But if you want to go, dope. And it's coming up. And shout month. out to Haley, uh, my cousin Haley. She's got a connection with Rose City, so we're still trying to get a, a booth there, at least some passes. So yeah, Fing- fingers crossed on that. That would be amazing. Or like a Hop Heroes. PowerPoint slideshow that JR is going to get in front of the entire Comic Con and talk about. <laughs> like a TED Talk. TED Talk. Hop Heroes TED Talk. Hop Heroes <laughs> TED Talk. Uh, that's awesome, man. So you swam down the waterfall? No. Went off the I, ledge? Um, we took our lovely pictures. Amber and I are doing this tour of waterfall. She's calling it the TLC tour where <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> Amber's so much cooler than you, dude. She is, and she—if you read her post, it's like way like descriptive and like funny, and like you get intrigued. And I'm like, not at all. I'm like, hey, waterfall today. Hashtag waterfall. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> waterfall. But, Yikes. Uh, she's 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 got the talent <laughs> in there. Waterfall. So um, I'm more of a visual person. But yeah, it was like a half a mile hike. You know, pretty steep climb. And I don't know if anybody's been there, but. Uh, we had breakfast at Sailor's Lodge, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, that was a good was a good Saturday. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Sounds magical. It, it was. Yeah. Right on. Then we got our third host, Zach Barlow. How you living, kid? What up? What up? What up? I'm pretty good, man. I'm coming off of being not feeling too great this last week, and I was. I mean, I was really not feeling good. I was very, very sick, and. Uh, I am just coming off of that, and how I uh, celebrated coming off of that was going to a Mariners game last night and proceeding <laughs> to have a lot of beers, and so now I'm not feeling <laughs> great again. As one should. Um, but, you know, it was uh, Edgar Martinez Hall of Fame night, and it was really cool. Ken Griffey Jr. was there. They, like, they had a huge ceremony. There was, like, a bunch of people. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Warren Moon was there. What? Um, Dope. Yeah, it was tight. It was really cool to see, and it was just a it was just a really fun night. So um, dope, dude. Yeah, so did you cool, dab man. up Warren and like dab up the kid and like yeah. just like kick with them all night. Hit the hit the like the the tables at the clubs after mm-hmm. the. the I actually game. gave a speech. I got into an argument with my buddy though because like <laughs> I, I actually gave a speech. I I feel that um, if my life depended on it, and I had three strikes. Oh, and all Jesus. I had to do was put the ball in play. It's not. It's not getting into this. Put it in play with no fielders at all. Like just don't 
hit it foul, I feel like I could bunt it past home plate. I really do. I honestly do. I feel like I could bunt it past home plate. You realize that, like, professional baseball players, like Kyle Seeger, professional baseball player, been in the league like six, seven years, they shift on him completely to the right side and leave the left side just fucking wide open. And he, he can't lay a bunt down left to the left side consistently enough to do it or else he would get on base every single time. And he's a professional hitter. So, like, why bunting isn't as easy as you Just think it is. Just put the bat on the ball and it roll past home. That seems it's, not that hard. It's it's <laughs> not. It doesn't seem that hard, but, like, hitting a baseball is, like, the hardest thing to do in sports. Hitting a round ball with a round bat going 90-something miles an hour moving. Like, it's just – it's a whole new thing, whole new challenge. I couldn't do it, and, like, I at least played baseball, but I wouldn't trust myself against a major league pitcher. With no fielders. No. I wouldn't be able to make contact, bro. That shit Jeez. drops. Or, like, they would just throw me some junk. Like, or, or just blow it by me. I mean, best, best case scenario is like your smalls in the sand line. You close your eyes and you put the bat out there. Just hope. Just hope that it fucking... <laughs> you just keep it up there like... Lands uh. in the right spot. Like, uh. <laughs> Yeah. So, maybe the gods would be shining upon you that day. And if your life was on the line, the ball makes contact with the bat. You never know. It'd be a crapshoot. But I wouldn't be confident. I wouldn't... <clears throat> I wouldn't put uh, my money on you, wow. <laughs> but okay. that's why you're the dreamer and the optimist of the group. And hey, man, if you manifest it to destiny, if you have hope, you can shape your reality. And that's what we're talking about today. Man, you're such a professional. Jeez. That's what we're going into today. We're going into low. Uh, Rick Remender's low, which is from Image Comics. And honestly, uh, JR's been trying to push this one for a while. We've always had to reschedule just do with like movie conflicts, whatever's current in the media. Finally got to do it, and I'm really glad we did, so I'm excited to talk about this. Me too. Um, but before we go to low, we got to start high. And we're going with some fan-voted number one spot. I feel like our fans are from trailer parks because of all the drinks <laughs> out there. They voted Miller High Life, and that's what we're drinking today. The champagne of beers. Oh, God. Can, can, JR, you probably never had one, but Zach, when's the last time you had a High Life, bro? Uh... Maybe 10 years ago. I, I can imagine like going to a house party like when I was like maybe 19 or something and having like warm high life, like yeah. hidden in my trunk. <laughs> yeah. Like, having it's to been like sit, oh. buy a 30 rack from like the, the last think, weekend. And just loving it, thinking we're just <clears throat> so cool. Like, yeah, it's warm. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. We're cool. We're at this party. Shotgun that was probably it. the last time I've had high life. I mean,. As soon yeah. as I could choose what kind of beer I wanted, I never chose that. <laughs> I feel like I haven't had Miller since like the days in your parents' house in the summertime when MGD? Kevin Graves, yeah, Kevin Graves would buy us beers. There's always MGD, and every once in a while, I'd sprinkle in some High Life, and we'd go like four of us would go in on a thirty rack, and we'd be blacked out by the end of the night because like one. I remember one time Zach drank ten beers, and it was like the most epic thing I've ever heard. Like, no way, you did it? And you're like, yeah. And then you threw up. <laughs> and, uh, epic. Just an epic. Shout uh, out to Kevin Graves. He listens to the show. Gravy? Yeah. Dude. Oh, man. Gravy, I baby. Kid. Still thinks he could beat me in Madden. It's just not, it's just not the case. Um, no, uh, Champagne Miller High Life makes me think of uh, my boy Chad Matthews. Shout out to Chad. He's a listener as well. And the dude... After he could still choose what beer he wanted to drink, the dude just repped High Life hardcore. <laughs> I think he might have a High Life tattoo on his body somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They always gave me the shits, but it gave, <laughs> gave him a sense of passion. So good. 
Rock on, Chad. Thanks for classic, listening. And, classic. Uh, I know movie. that I know one of your votes uh, went into this decision. So, uh, without further ado, shall we? Yep. All right. Down the hatch. Mmm. Uh, yep. That tastes like uh, back of a trunk, warm, <laughs> bad decisions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Jr. What are your thoughts, bro? Um, it feels mass produced is what it feels like. <laughs> it feels mass produced. There's definitely a difference between a local brewery or a smaller brewery to a mass produced beer. Um, we made you bougie, dog. This show has made you bougie. It's a, I'm a little bit of a uh, snobbish alcohol. You, you were not a beer snob, but now that we've been doing this, I feel like you are fully beer snob. I just feel You're a beer snob that doesn't like beer. I know. <laughs> I don't. That's how snobbish I am. It's a weird dynamic. It's like not one's met my <laughs> uh, criteria of excellence yet. But um, <laughs> I will tell you the difference between uh, like a mass-produced beer and a local brewery. One, it's and maybe it's the artist in me, but it's like there's no art that goes into that. You know what I mean? Like it's like let's put some water in that. Let's put some some tea leaves in that. Um, okay. Let's do. Uh, let's put it in a big bucket. Stuff like that. <laughs> And that's Put like the difference bucket. Like, Fuck it. Um, I have a, a debate to that, um, but we'll, we'll go to Zach for a sec. What are your thoughts? Any, any flashbacks? Any bad decisions? Any fat oh, chicks? I mean, plenty, of, plenty of bad decisions, but... Um, <laughs> plenty of fat chicks. <laughs> um, no, I just feel like, honestly, it's, it, it does taste like a um, more, you know, countrywide mass-produced beer. I... I, I to an extent, agree with Jr. and the fact that I I really like art style. Although I think High Life has a decent marketing um, campaign going from the champagne of beer. I feel like it's kind of uh, a fun fun <laughs> play. It's humorous, it's, it's, right? It's actually just not at all, but it's, they, they make it seem like it's really fancy. Um, but I don't know, man. I High Life to me, it, it it its front taste is very kind of like watery PBR, kind of Coors Light. But it, then it has like an aftertaste that's not smooth. Like I feel like Coors Light and PBR will have like a kind of a easy drinkability. High Life is a little bit less so because I remember having it. Um, there's like a taste of like pennies at the back mm. of it, like mm-hmm. copper almost. You know what yeah, I you mean? Don't, you don't like that? Nah, dog. <laughs> like penny water. Like you just put pennies in water, let it yeah. sit for like a little bit, let Let's it let, let those jar. bubble. And then mm. drink that water. I feel like that's like the aftertaste of High Life. And it's like just the pennies like, that have kind of gone like bluish green. Exactly. So like, yeah. Let those like bubble up and get and, yeah. yeah rust like a rust like, type of taste to it. And it's mm. just not not the best, especially warm. But hey, I've had plenty of High Life nights. So <laughs> what can I say? Just another just another notch on the old bedpost. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that it's definitely, I agree, it's got more character than a standard, like, lager, like a Coors Light or a That's a PC Lighter, way of putting Bud it. Light. Uh, yeah. It's got that little <laughs> extra kick at the end. Um, and and, and I, I think it's funny that you guys both think, like, it, the mass production taste, like, the, the, the high volume taste. A lot of the, all the beers we do on the show are craft beers and craft cocktails, and so when we go to, like, a generic mass-produced beer it does have it's a little underwhelming but looking into the history of miller light established in 1903 um and it was decently popular but really hit a boom in uh, the world war ii era 
when uh, bottled beers came in effect. Um, but the reason that <clears throat> it is so still kind of unique or it was unique in the champagne of beers is because they were one of the first to use Galena hops, which at the time was the most acidic hop out there. So it created that kind of that light bubbly bite that gave it the champagne persona. Mm. Um, so it made it like kind of crisper. That was their whole thing is bottled and crisp. That was like the, the thing that separated Miller High Life from everything else. And nowadays, if you look at the mass production, the cores and everything, like Galena hops is the most um, utilized hop in the United States. They set the so, standard. Exactly. So at one point they were unique, but now they just blend it with everyone else. So I feel like Miller High Life um, is kind of known because of where it came from. And now it's kind of just like you, couldn't even, like you can't even find it at certain stores. Like it just blends into the weeds of all the big beer out there like Coors Light and everything because it's just without that uniqueness that if everything could be kind of sharp but less funkiness at the end then why not just go with that mm-hmm. so I think that's what happened um, it's 4.7 percent uh, 141 calories so it's about the same percentage of a Coors Light got a little bit more calories and a little bit more funk so you, the only way you're going to drink Miller High Life consistently is if you enjoy that funk you know so uh, Chad Matthews must like the funk he's a funky uh, dude Gotta have that funk, and here we are drinking High Life, and you know, I don't hate it when it's cold, but I feel like I must have drank a lot of warm beer, because I, I remember hating High Life, and it was always out of the back of our trunk from the previous week, so that's probably why. It's really kind of a, a rite of passage, like a full circle moment right now, because every time we've drank in High Life, we were just broke and in school and had to drink it warm, because we just, somebody else got it for us, and now that we're adults, we're adulting, we can buy it ourselves, we can, we can make sure it's cold. You know, I see yep. you, you poured yours in a glass, bro. Like, well, I can't just disrespect the champagne, you know. Yeah, it's got to got to get that bubbly, the respect it deserves. Uh, yeah, but it is a rite of passage, and here we are, pinkies out, drinking High Life, talking about it, poking holes in the the Miller High Life campaign. Yep. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. So that's High Life for you. Um, and you know, let's go into this comic. Uh, Jr., you're very passionate about Low. Uh, tell us, tell us why, and tell us kind of a little bit what it's about. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Low is one of these comics that, I mean, I picked this up when it first came out, 2014. So I have every single issue since then. And they're in the they're in the 20s now. So there's like a lot of gap. There's a lot of anticipation. Um, the book is is written by one of my favorite writers, Rick Remender. I mean, he's done so many things, you know, uh, Black Science, Uncanny X-Force is where I first, first saw him and read his stuff. Um, and that was an amazing book. Um, Deadly Class, which they just had a show about that, which and they canceled it. But it's in a great, it's a great book, you know. It's an image comic, I think. And then Tokyo Ghost, which was recommended by Vinny, um, I picked that up to not go. And they're all just they're passionate writing, like every single one of his books. Like there's not one that I was like bored or not involved in, or I had to put down. Like I I've read this low volume a couple times now. Like this was like the third time maybe that I've read it. Um, and every time I, I find something new about it and that, that, that's a good indication of how good of a book can be. You know what I mean? When you reread it and you're like, yeah. okay, I found something different. I found something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's why I love this book and I, I continue to, to buy the singles and I'll, I'll probably buy all the volumes. There's a lot of books that I won't do that for, but there are very, very, there are books out there that I will do that for. And that's, that's this one. That I just have to read. And honestly, I just want my kids to read it too, you know, without touching my comic books, really. But I want them to be able to <laughs> get your sticky-ass <laughs> fingers get on Get your my own comic comics. Yeah, so yeah. I don't mind buying the trade paperbacks for it because 
it's a it's great to have in your library you're proud of it to have in your library just like we have each of us have in our books you know from from regular books yeah. graphic books so um that's why i bought it very important um <clears throat> now about the book uh think of Think of the world as a desolate desert because the sun decided to basically give up, right? It's, it's dying. It's moving on. The surface is a um, just a burnt landscape. And so what do we do as human beings? We find and we adapt and we are survivors. So what they did was go into the bottoms of the ocean, build domes to... Um, basically try and outlive this a solar flare um rick remender did had a great inspiration about it and he was he wanted to do something in the future he wanted to write something about the future kind of where we're going as human beings um and kind of who we are actually as human beings and so he kind of it was kind of like he read this article and he talked about the sun and the timeline or the lifespan of earth and it was kind of like a spark for him it's like okay now i now i have my idea where do we go from there? And he wanted to create this world where the depths of the ocean and we went down to the bottom. And what do we turn into from millennium now? How are we going to adapt? Like who we are? What what kind of ind- what kind of humans are we? Are we going to be great? Are we going to be, you know, survivors like we, we did when we first went down there? And basically, that's what the book's about. And he wanted to create... Um, a character a main character that he hadn't written about and and if, if you read any of his books a lot of his characters are kind of these negative mindset individuals you know you read x-force pessimist yes pessimist and you read x-force i mean wolverine is one of the most pessimist individuals you know always got to do <laughs> you know um you read tokyo drift i mean that or tokyo drift tokyo um <laughs> not tokyo drift tokyo ghost uh, graphic novel you those characters are it's just depressing at times and the the book does have a depressing feeling but there's one main character that he wanted to create and that was still kane and he wanted her to have hope constantly and yeah that's what he did she had it's kind of like a religion for her hope we'll find a way we'll find a way um and that's what the that's what the book has it has this very very depressing the world's going to end what are we going to do but in the middle of it is this light and that's Stell, and her uh, her light is hope, and she'll find a way to, to figure it out. And that's what the book's about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that nails it. And I, and I, I think that the <clears throat> underlying theme is exactly what you're saying, is that hope will find a way, and it's very necessary in the world that uh, Rick created with post-apocalyptic. Uh, you know, they send probes to look for new inhabitable planets, but... They never come back. Right. They're running out of oxygen supply under the water. And everybody's pretty much given up hope besides the protagonist, Stell. Yeah. And it's interesting because Rick talks about in the very opening how he was a pessimist since he was yep. seven because he found out that the world's going to be destroyed by when the supernova. Whenever the sun explodes, it's going to take away everything. So what's the fucking point? Right. And he's a seven-year-old having these thoughts. So it's not hard to understand why all of his characters – uh, early in his career, pessimist, and then he starts going to therapy and starts understanding the the value yep. um, of hope and how it can like shape reality. And that's like the whole the whole storyline here. And it's really fucking cool and it's really uplifting. And it's I read this book just I read it outside of my balcony, looking at the mountains on a Saturday. I just 
breathing in the air and like they're in these bubbles underwater talking about how they've never seen stars, never breathed fresh air. And it's like makes you just appreciate, you know, just like, yeah, ah, it was good. It was a good, it was a good feel good book. Uh, Z, what, what were your thoughts on the story when you first got it? Um, man, I don't, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like how I want to approach this. Cause I think there's <laughs> like a lot of ways that I can. Um, and, um, this book deeply affected me. Like I wasn't ready wow. for what this book did to my, to my life, to be honest, because I feel like, um, First of all, I think Image Comics are just the fucking best. God, they're they really, so they really good. are. They, they really are, are so good. <laughs> like it is just night and day. But so that like shout out to Image Comics on that one. But I, I, for me to have like a, in a world where there's no hope and there's, it's all despair, to have a, a, the protagonist be somebody who just holds on tightly to hope no matter what, even though in her life like shitty things happen. Like in the beginning, her husband dies. She watches his eye get cut out of his face. Her, her Dude, two daughters get yeah. stolen from her. And you would think that, you know, she would lose it, but she just doesn't. And I think that life over time, like when shitty things happen to you, the more times shitty things happen to you, the it kind of like takes a hit on your ability to be optimistic. Like I feel like um, and, and this is speaking from a true pessimist. Like I, I unfortunately am naturally like full on pessimistic. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might, th you might think that to your like inner, inner thoughts, but what you put out there is a well, lot of what I try. I try, I try, but I mean, yeah. what I put out there is not a lot of what's happening in sure. this, in this brain. Sure. Um, and so, like, I just felt, like, deeply connected to this story, man, because um, I felt like um, Merrick, the character, her her son. Savage. I just felt like that character was hit so close to home for me that it, it almost got, like, weird. Like, I was just like, whoa, this is crazy because he is somebody who got mad at his mom for having hope uh, because he just didn't see it the same way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, um, this book just, I mean, we can get into it more later. I don't know how, like, I feel like I could get really personal. Well, well are we going, I don't know if I want right to now. Like, that's no? kind of where I'm at. What's up. Are, are you like teetering on going beneath the ink right now? Cause we want to save that for later. No, I, I just, yeah, no, let's no, I don't know. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. It's a deep book. So, yeah. It's so the story. It is. It is, and 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 what, Jr. What's the story behind uh, the colonies? Because there was some like history. There's three cities, right? But there was thought to only be two, right? Um, and then there was this bloodline with the helmsmen, right? So each like there was like basically like if you think of it as social class, right? There was a very low social class who who made it to the bottom, and then you got the very high social class. That Salis is where the characters, the main characters, live. And they're, they're actually, um, they have this like special ability to, they have the special weapons, they have the better technology, um, <clears throat> and they had a better society according to like high class, right? Or low classes, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and that's kind of where the, like the three cities go in the book. They don't talk about too much about the third city, uh, but when they talk about, uh, is it Plumel or whatever, the, the city that all the... The ruffians, basically, like the the, the scurvy, the scurvy, the pirates, the the humanoid sharks. <laughs> what a name! I know. 
scurvy. And that's where uh, vitamin C. The villain Roan comes in, and he's very like it's almost like, um, and it all. I mean, it really kind of works in our society as well right now because it almost works into where like the lower class blames the upper class uh, for part of their their issues, right? And the the upper class has no idea what the issues are, so they're just kind of living in the clouds, basically in the deep ocean. Or they're mm-hmm. like ignorant to what their decisions, how they impact. The right. They just don't like have an class. idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're just basically living in their own bubble. And mm-hmm. and I think that. Uh, yeah, I feel like they have somewhat of an idea. They just feel like it's for the better good. But but that's that's debatable. Well, I think the uppers in the, the bubble do, but not as a whole as a society. I mean, nobody really knows until they go and ask. Nobody knows anything until someone brings it up to you. Right. Nobody knows. I don't know until I, somebody says, hey, you got, you know, it's raining today. Right. Right. Are we talking about the book or are we talking about RL? (laughs) We're talking about everything. Um, Everything. That's what the book does to you, though. And uh, I think in the in this book, the 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 way that the art is as well brings it such to life in this book with you know uh, Greg Tuccini. I I didn't like the art. Yeah, you can suck it. But um, I I didn't like the art. art. I love the art. The art art is such. Let me tell you about. Let me give you some. Let me give you some background (laughs) on the art because I think that that you're maybe missing some explanation. The art is all watercolor, all right? And Zach knows what this is about when we talk about okay. filling pages. That's, that's that's a game changer. I didn't know it was all watercolor. He does that's everything cool. in pencil, and then he does everything in watercolor. Now, the, every uh, everything after volume one, I think he kind of passes the buck, and he kind of uses digital, and he kind of goes there, and then he kind of passes the coloring off and the inking off because it's a lot of work. A lot of work mm-hmm. goes into this watercolor pages. All those covers that are in there is is watercolor on a sheet of paper, pencil, and there's no, you know, pre-ink. There's nothing. It's all pieces of paper that he came up with. Uh, 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 sorry. That's impressive. That's impressive. That's very impressive. And so that's 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 what I'm talking about. If you look at all of his art, yeah, it's not real. It's not comic booky art. It's more art art to me. I mean, you got to look deep into the picture to see what's going on. And to me, that's what brought the book to me, like as a whole, because yes, the story is there. The story's great, but also the art, like made all these colorful and bright images but you're reading something dark you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you know he mixes these this uh these blue greens and he mixes these 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 reds and these oranges and these things that to me when you when you study art you you understand that colors mean something and every page had that so that's kind of why the art is big deal for me on this um, <clears throat> well, and you're somebody that's passionate about watercolors because a lot of the stuff that you've done for at least me has, has been watercolor. So I know that yeah. that's something you always like to challenge yourself with. Absolutely. And that's going in this book. I wish I would have known that because the whole time I was reading this book, I was like, every character looks the same um, besides Roland because he has the fucking yeah. Fu Manchu. And I can't really tell what's happening in the panel. I have to like really look and figure out because like a lot of the body parts aren't connected. It's a lot of blur. Right. And there's just no like, uh, not specification, but there's no definition, and it's it, it, it was hard for me to f- understand what was going on because underwater a lot of elements going on, mm-hmm. a lot of color, and l- really lack of definition and shape. So it was just kind of like difficult. But going in, understanding this watercolor and the challenge he took on makes me a little more appreciative and gives it more of an artistic like depth that I wasn't aware of. So I found I found myself like wishing at certain points in the story that I could see more detail. Exactly. That's it. I mean like I, yeah. I, I love I thought the art was great for, for most of it, but there was like certain scenes and panels where I just wish I could zoom in on a face, 
see that detail that you're used to in like current comics and and um, you know other action scenes where I wish I could see the detail, but it, it was all very abstract. But I I also didn't know it was watercolor. I mean, I feel like it's very impressive. But I think that when you go in that route, sometimes you you sacrifice maybe more like minute detail. Yeah, mm-hmm. there there's no hat. Yeah. There's no hard lines in this book. Um, and when we talk about art, there's 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 two different types, right? You got the hard lines with the hashes, right? And you you don't really draw detail; you hash mark the details. And when you're dealing with watercolor, you can come up with values a, a lot of different ways. And he does these things where his lines are are not hard lines, but yet he's able to come up with figures within those hard line without those hard lines, right? Like like mm. you guys are saying, some of the stuff was really blurry. But there's no hard lines in there, so there's no way to like draw this, you know, maybe a circle, but it's maybe like half a circle, or you know, it's kind of with a brush. And I think that's that's part of the hard part um, when it comes to watercoloring is you're not dealing with hard lines. You can, but you really want to let the water and the and the paint and the colors roll together. Um, and that's, I mean, that's that's why. I mean, obviously, I know a little bit more about watercolor than most people, and I don't expect people to to know that part, but. Yeah. And now our listeners do as well. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. The exactly. more you know. The more you Brought know. Brought to you by Hop Hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that that, that that changes the game on the art, and that, that makes me appreciate it a lot more. Um, one thing I was questioned, or not questioned, but I didn't fully understand, and I'm wondering, do they go into more depth about it um, on the future uh, issues? Is kind of like the backstory, because they touch on it a little bit about uh, the Helms woman who defeated this giant mega squid, found these two shells that could read somebody's truth of heart, and the, she used that to kind of navigate the people or whatever. Like, it, just in that little backstory of the family. Is that... or And only one bloodline can control the helms, which are these, like... I don't even know what the helms are capable of because I didn't really see a whole lot of them. Right. I will tell you... So, like... Yeah, I would tell you that it's not about that, the story, at all. Like, he put that okay. in there, I think, to, to show some... Um, Maybe some power, some like, you know, we were talking last week about Quint, you know, Q from Magician. He really wasn't like a powerful magician. And I think mm-hmm. that sometimes a story, you want that hero a little bit. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, and I think he wanted to show that, hey, they had this. Stell's badass. She is badass. Don't get it twisted. She's a beast. But she doesn't yeah, use her the power helms. power is hope. Right. And she doesn't use the helms suit. She uses herself and she uses her mm-hmm. belief. And she uses, she'll just, she'll, she'll jump into the biggest, you know, cavern because she knew at the bottom she would survive the the helms was just that to show that they had this power i feel like and it, to be taken away they barely talk about it i mean it could be something down in the next ish next volume after that i'm reading because it's still going but they it was more about her and then it jumps into more about every sibling and where they where they're at after this and then back to her and where they're heading to earth and more civilizations and you find out more things about you know earth that they don't want to hear about so there wasn't like a detailed story about the shield or the the shell or the the helms and where their bloodline comes from okay okay well that's yeah if they haven't done it now i doubt they would i mean that's yeah. kind of like a first issue get the story out there yeah. if it's successful second issue revisit the history of the prequel yeah. to kind of give more depth that makes sense so i, I don't i don't think they're gonna do it now yeah. so it's just if it was I just it. put in there um one question I had, so Roland is this villain, and he's, uh, the story behind him is kind of like a raider that was, their planet was running out of oxygen, so they were looking for a new life, or a new place to, or a new city to take refuge, and they got 
defeated by the Helms people, um, which was Salus. Right. And then kind of shot out to the third city full, that was full of intellectuals. Um, him, him and his brother, right? Um, can't remember his brother's name, Grohl or Grohl, something like right. that. Grom. Yeah. And him and his brother were pirates, but they went to land on a city of intellectuals, and intellectuals taught them. So now they had the raiding side, and then they had the intellectual side, and they turned on the intellectuals and let all the savages in. Right. And now it's fucking. And they actually have the. And then once they took over, they they made um, like academics illegal. Yes, yes. They made it so you could. Literacy was illegal. Right. And Mm -hmm. they wanted to remain remain in power. So these two brothers, I'm curious. Grom is looks like a mech warrior, right? Metal all on the right. outside and can telepathically communicate to the sea creatures, right? Um, Ron, he briefly said it, but he's basically taken like three daggers through the chest and the stomach, and this never impacts him. And he says he's full of metal. So, like, what do you know anything about their species? Does it go like is he full of metal? Like, what there's like what is um, he? basically there. The way that some of these characters have, and even in, um, I don't want to give too much away about Merrick, but um, there's a there's an ability. Try to do this without spoilers because I'm definitely going to Yeah, do it's this tough because further. it gets way better. And it, gotcha. It, the more characters yeah, are, like Merrick is, gets more developed in a different way. So it's very, very, um, it's. it's a, Wait, Merrick? No, like, I mean, like, uh, is it Merrick or Stell? Uh, sorry, Stell. Stell. In, uh, is it Merrick's? I thought Merrick. Dies. Yeah, he dies at the end. Um, but okay, I was just like, is he still is he not dead? But uh, but anyways, every character gets developed in a different way, and um, even like backstories. You know, there there is some flashbacks in the future where they talk about you know growing up and stuff, and the and the girls. But um, there's like an evolutionary status here at some point. You know, where they had to evolve, and it's like Roan and his brother were f- from the beginning. And they figured out a way to stay alive. And that's why you see humanate, humanoid sharks there. That's why you see, like, um, mm. you know, these different mm-hmm. species of humans and, and fish that are mixed together. Um, and so they're, they're, that city has developed into what Salus could not develop, which is go to the next step and evolve. And Salus, all they wanted to do was keep their, their status quo, their people high class. And it's more about... Um, looking good than than just surviving and i think roan for sure was one of these characters was like i'm gonna i'm gonna change the world and they uh, use that evolutionary step and he probably has a bunch of mechanical things i mean it gets future like futuristic you know robotic arms robotic you know where they can just keep their consciences alive you know what i mean they can um Mm -hmm. yeah they can you know classic sci-fi yeah Exactly, and so that's basically how he how he is, and his brother, who is a bunch of assholes. They they've seen the the beginning, dude, the worst. Yeah, yeah. So like basically, the helm is like the most it seems to be the most powerful weapon that's still available, right. and it can only be controlled by someone of the Kane bloodline, and it starts off with Stella and Joel, who's Joel is of the bloodline. Stella is the the protagonist, and they're married. Yeah. And, they have th- three kids, Merrick, Tajo, and who's the third daughter? Della. 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 Yep. And uh, they're on a just a expedition to like take the family out and teach the girls. and the Yeah, to, they're like, next in line. Explore. Yep. Right. They're going to be controlling the helm eventually, so he wanted to show them how to do it. They run into a behemoth, which is like this giant squid, shoots this ink that they can't really navigate out of, and all of a sudden they realize when it clears it was a trap, and Roland kind of surrounded them, boarded the ship. 
gets really brutal. Basically takes Joel's eye, beats his ass, and he takes his eye because the helm is optically controlled so he can use his eye to control the helm. Right. And then takes the two daughters, dips. The, the, the ship is so low in the trench that nobody will come save them. So Stell watches her husband die. Her kids just got taken from her. And Merrick, her son, was still up in, in Salas because he wasn't the fighting type. And then after all this, he goes dark, becomes a real a dark. cop. Yeah, becomes like a cop to like avenge his dad. Really, he just wanted to fucking kill people and kind of retaliate and starts you know fucking hookers and getting in, involved in the heavy is heavy cream. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I guess the, the drug they that drink. they're using. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which plays a pretty big part. I mean, um, so yeah, it's 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 you have to really know how hope how important hope is in the story to see how low they go, and it's it's funny that's the name of the title. I mean, it's just it's just obvious because of obviously they're at the bottom of the ocean, but also their optimism is at an all time low before they rise. To right, kind of their life is ending. The they gave up. She uh, still talks to like the senator, and because a a pro comes a probe from back from the stars right and she wants to the first one to ever return right because they yes. all just and they're trying right, to find new land and exactly right where she's about to almost give up on hope she's like hope basically she's praying to hope you know something give me something her son is going off the deep end she knows it and all of a sudden this thing comes down and she's like see it's here hope right so she goes to the senate and they're all just in this big old you know uh, eyes wide open Orgy. scene and uh, eyes wide shut not oh, shut. Sorry. Eyes wide shut scene <laughs> with Tom Cruise. You got it. Um, and just fucking uh, everything. Yeah. Right. And they're just, they gave we up. all are at one point in our week. You know. Yeah. And they gave up on, and they've given up. And she's still, she's like, no, I just give me something. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And she does. And she takes her son because he's in jail now for, for murder. Mid suicide attempt. Yeah. yeah. Try, <laughs> in his she underwear, trying to hang him. She basically kidnaps him. Yeah. She's like, now nah, you're coming with yep. me. After he tried to hang himself. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that's where they they started heading towards, you know, the surface. I think she was going towards the surface to to find that satellite. Yeah, yeah, she was going towards the surface, and it, it must be really hard to get to the surface because every single time she tries to leave, like within like two panels, she runs into a behemoth. Yeah, <laughs> and like the first time they got ambushed, shit ton of behemoths time. at the surface, just waiting <laughs> just to feed everywhere. Yeah, they're like looking down at the humans. They're like sooner or later, these motherfuckers got to come up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tell them a probe's coming, then they'll definitely come up, just <laughs> fucking fucking with their radar and shit. Um, and, and yeah, as Zach touched on earlier, America, he feel like he connects with America. And I feel like America's. Stella's a protagonist, like the one that needs to be there. But in the first volume, at least Merrick's storyline is the coolest. Like his his personal growth is like the heart of the story. Yeah, comes from, comes from the most negative to become basically channels Cloud from Final Fantasy and becomes this savage with this giant sword that just fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. And um, once he and his strongest point is once he believes in hope. Right. Yeah. Like once he gets separated yeah. from his mom. He when at the point he gets separated from his mom, he's still super pessimistic. Like he's just doesn't believe in anything, doesn't care about anything. And then it's like a couple years later, and over that time, he starts to convert to hope, like his mom does. And then when he does, he becomes just a savage warrior, leader of a band. Like people in the city are chanting like King Merrick, King mm-hmm. Merrick. Like they want him to rule the city. And his man, we're not there yet, but the way he dies is 
fucking yeah. epic. Because he now because they've they're he's in a gladiator games right. So now he's like a gladiator. Yeah. And um, one of the important yeah. parts is is when they go back and they, and they get kind of they didn't realize this city was there. They they're like the city isn't there. They're telling them the senator the city's not there. And without them knowing, it's the city that Roan ru- uh, runs. It's Plummet or Plomo or something like that. And um, then they realize. Then she realizes her her th- thought of ch- uh, uh, her uh, her thought changes to like my daughters are alive. They're alive. They're in this city because she sees them mm-hmm. on. It's the been like a decade since yeah. she saw them. So they're she's like, like giving up. Yeah, exactly. And so she goes. Well, she hasn't given no, up. She hasn't given up. Everybody. Everybody, everybody gave else. Up. Merrick yeah, gave up. And I up. think that's what sparked Merrick too, because he realized. Okay, there's my sister, and he, you know what I mean. And then they get caught because mm-hmm. she tries to kill him, tries to kill Roan, and he doesn't. He's like, because she's brainwashed. Yeah, and yeah, it's like Princess Leia returned right, the Jedi shit. Sets like, him up, chained up to a exactly. bed. Exactly. And, and so, yeah. um, and that's where he becomes a gladiator, and that's where the the um, the story kind of goes from this almost nor to action kind of story. And he mm. and he did that by using Merrick, which is obviously that's really important key to a storyline. You have to find that character to do that switch, and he did that with the, with him. Yeah, and mm. it's it's like a fucked up gladiator because I mean it's kind of similar to the movie because uh, it's in a fish tank, right? right? They get dropped in this fish tank with these giant behemoth creatures, like giant crabs, right. giant omnipods, giant sharks, and basically if one survives, they're like the gladiator, right? Like, you think it like it, it, it's it's fucking demented and it's it's like fucked up. But the the worst part is that Roan's brother Grom can control telepathically, can communicate with his creatures. So he's really controlling the fight the entire time mm-hmm. while they're gambling on this. Right. So not only are they like the, the hierarchy of the senator or whatever of the city and starting these fights, but they're controlling the fight, they're rigging the fight, and they're reaping benefits off the fight and keeping the poor poor. So just an ultimate, just shitty fucking person uh, or tandem are these brothers these pirates right ultimate pirates they're very tyrannical too i think it's important to note that um they're controlling this the city like through manipulation like they're not loved by any means they're they're tyrannical and the the population of the city you know ultimately starts a revolt when it when merit kind of wins their their love and And how does he win their love dude Tell that story. So, so Merrick goes into a fight, and um, Roln and Grom, the two brothers, are basically like, "All right, we've let him win enough. Like, we we are, their favorite thing is to times. give hope and then crush it. Like, they yeah. want to see the hope that they give like just drain out of you. That's like their their pastime. And so they let him win a couple so times so they could up. kill him. So Stell eighty nine times, bro. Yeah. 89 straight victories. Yeah. Like he just, he just was wrecking shit, but they thought the brothers thought that they were, he was doing it because they were letting him. And this is when Merrick is like full of hope and shit. And so they're like, all right, we're about to just fix this fight. You're done. We're going to kill him. And we're going to have the mom watch because we want to just drain hope from everybody. And they drop Merrick into this like impossible situation. But Merrick has this shell essentially that his dad gave him that puts off light if you're living his truth, what? He, he he doesn't have the shell. I mean, he he, he, doesn't? he finds it. He finds the shell because so he gets eaten by the giant eel, and everybody's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, Merrick's finally dead." Yeah. Cuts himself out of it, yeah. and then this little fucking they throw a bunch of gladiators in the arena every single time, and a lot of them don't want to go. They're forced to go, and there's this old guy. He's like, "I'm not a fighter. I'm not a fighter." <laughs> oh and yeah. Like, 
I'll never let anybody die by my side. Just stay by me and remain hopeful and you will live. He's like, okay. And like the whole time he's like, I'm not going to die. He's like swimming around. Merrick's like cutting fucking heads off right behind him, like saving his ass. And then finally he cuts out of this fucking eel and saves everybody. And then the old guy stabs him in the back. And he's like, that's for Like He was working for the the leaders the entire time. Yeah. It's like, I, I fucking, I like audibly like no like, i was so mad when i saw that like but where does he get the show oh so the show so he comes in from yeah. um well Stell and uh tojo are talk- talking and she's telling her that we are your family and tojo is pissed the reason she turned on Mer- merrick is because she thought they were there looking for her when by they came to her by accident and so she was so mad that they weren't still looking for her which they were just mm. they were trying to that they were going in a different way and her mom was telling her that that how important that show was she had it around her neck she goes you you have no idea how important that show is your your dad gave that to you there's there's special there's specialty to that show and she's like this show and she flicks it into the tank yeah it reads your heart yeah. it was like dark purple right. or dark black she's like it's reading your heart right now look at the color yeah and she, she's like fuck this yep. throws it and throws it in the I mean, the tank yeah goes to the bottom of the tank and then the one that uh, Mer- Merrick's fighting in, and he's like on his like last like breath, like he's trying to like, scream for help, save my sister, save my mom, but his helmet's filling with blood, and he's laying there on the bottom of the tank with this fucking giant omnipod, about to like devour him, and that's the end of like book five, and then you open up book six, and he sees the shell line next to him, and he grabs it, and it and it reads your truth of heart, and he like mm. puts it in front, and it just shoots this beam of light into the omnipod and it's like fucking blinds it like it was just it was an epic moment it was like oh my fuck like mm-hmm. i got goosebumps just just even talking about it <laughs> that's what a great book does. and then it gives you goosebumps and then i think we're there z uh what happens um to merrick at the end of the story so then merrick uh gets his shell so i just have like an image that's like burned into my mind And it's as Merrick is dying and the shell is like still shining. And then it goes back to um, like his dad talking to him, like the flashback. And Mm -hmm. they're, they're telling, they're talking about the the shell and he's saying like, uh, you know, I, I, originally they gave the shell to the, to the girls. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, yeah. And the dad was talking to Merrick and he was saying like, you don't need, you don't need this because you're already living your truth. Like, and now for you, it's not necessarily to find your truth of heart. You found your truth of heart. But for you, it's to stay on the path. Like you got to yeah. stay on your path. And then it, and then, and then I circle all the way back to like his story where he was so far off of his path. Like he was just doing drugs and fucking hookers and doing all this crazy shit. And then he ends up as essentially sacrificing his life to save his sister because he has to fight Roland and Roland and him like get into a one-on-one and he's got a weapon and Roland's got a weapon. But then something happens to his sister who tried to kill him last time they met each other. But Mm -hmm. because he sees that his sister's in danger, he essentially sacrifices himself, throws his weapon, kills the danger that, and saves Tajo. And then in the process, gets killed by by Roland because he doesn't he has no way of defending himself but at the same time he has the shell and so as he's dying it's still shining and i feel like to me that's like probably honestly one of the most powerful moments i've ever read in comics because as he's dying you the shell is saying like he's living his truth right now like this is where he was supposed to be and how he was supposed to do it and i just feel like man 
that's an emotional situation, bro. Like, it's just deep. Yeah. Like, this book puts me in my feels, like, on yeah. another <laughs> level, bro. Like, it's crazy. Awesome. Zach's been but, crying for, like, six minutes yeah, by now. Yeah, it's tears. Bro, I'm literally just, like, episode, tears but. are flowing on the Top Heroes <laughs> podcast as I'm talking about how Merrick dies because I just feel like it's so beautiful. And, yeah. And then, of course, that incites a riot because everybody's like, they, they loved Merrick. And it also flips the switch in Tajo's mind because Tajo didn't trust Merrick or really Stell. Really, she trusted Stell a little bit more, but she was brainwashed. She had been living with Rome for like years now, Ten like years. maybe a decade, yeah. mm-hmm. and they had her believing that like she belonged there. She was one of them. Like she needed to be a scurvy and all this shit. And when she saw Merrick sacrifice, she was like, "Wait a fucking minute! Like nobody else would do that for me." So then she like flipped a switch and was like, ah, nah, fam. And then yeah. that like activated her into the battle. And then she gets into the helm suit. Which is what then... Roland's been trying to get her to do the entire time. Right. Like, and she didn't want to. her to use the helm because she is the right. bloodline. And she's like, nah. Yeah. Merrick, Merrick turns her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a really, really powerful, powerful moment and a super powerful character. Yeah. When, uh, yeah, so Merrick gets stabbed by the by the fucking by backstabber, literally. Yep. Oh, and and then and then the crowd realizes the game's rigged because he gets on the stage after he right. blinds the Omnipod. It's like, do you see what he's done? He doesn't fucking care about you. This ignites the riot. That's the fight and everything. Saves his sister. And then fucking Rollins takes his eye like he did with his dad. Like it mm. just it gets more savage. It's like fuck, man. Like the guy can't get a break. And then his mom like is holding him she held her husband as he died the same exact way and she's holding her yep. son the exact same fucking way eyeless yep. bleeding out and he's like thanking her just like her husband did like you will save us thank you for saving me like in that moment he's able to have hope right exactly that's what's as crazy he's dying yeah like like that's how powerful that hope is and, and it just like rick remeter's fucking like underlying theme of hope with his personal battles, you can feel him through this and you can feel it through the storyline about how important he finds hope now and how, how much everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. He's, he's such a great writer. He talked about um, his deadly class and how when they canceled the show, he did whatever they could to get it bought by another company. They thought sci-fi was going to take it and, and move on with it. And you can feel like his emotion through his like, uh, his Instagram post or his tweets and how it was like one of the worst and best moments for him. Best moment that his, one of his books went to TV, but also that they're canceling it. But he goes at the end of the day, my feelings are still out there basically on his books. And you can feel like everything he does has is through his emotions. And like, he's basically writing himself in every one of these, in these pages. And Lowe was like Mm -hmm. a big time. Like you could feel him, who he is. Like I, without having to meet him, you can probably feel him for who he is. And um, he actually talked about in that intro where he talked about trying to come up with something as for Greg Tuccini to come up with and paint with. And um, him using himself that way is is pretty pretty dope. And you can feel he's in every character. He's in Merrick. He's in Stell. I mean, he's Mm. in Tojo. I mean, um, there must be. He's he's probably a really intense person. He probably really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, that's so that yeah. That's basically the storyline of the first volume, and uh, it's six issues. Um, they have the paperback that envelops the whole thing, and I definitely recommend you guys go pick it up. And I'm I'm intrigued on the on the the volumes to follow. 
Um, so let's take us to our next segment. Let's go beneath the ink, which I feel like we've kind of done the entire time. This has been a deep, a deeper main. It's been low. Hard, hard not to. Yeah, yeah. So, so Z, what do you got for us on beneath the ink today? So, um, this is a ticking time bomb narrative, um, and it's uh, based on the solar flare. And it what what it does is it it puts a time on every situation, and then it shows how humanity reacts based on how much time they have left. And the interesting thing about this story is how the ju- the kind of the, the opposition of Stell's standpoint versus literally everybody else's. Um, everybody else just kind of gives up. It, not not just the main characters, but even like secondary characters and, and tertiary characters, like the, the whole city. I mean, when she goes, I think one of the most powerful scenes is when she visits the Senate. And this is like the government of like the highest class, right? But they're all just doing drugs and having sex with each other and like just kind of like a fuck it attitude like we only have six more months to live anyway so we might as well just you know live it up like they're not even trying to govern or trying to look for a solution or anything like that they've just given up hope um and i just feel like that's a very interesting thing to write about especially because right now a lot of people are talking about global warming and i feel like that is like another situation where it it reminds me of that it really does it reminds me of like how different people can react to the news of you know how that's going which is like a pretty scary thing to say but you know it's the truth um and i just feel like the the main thing to me that just strikes me is just the power of hope man like i feel like um you know as cheesy as this might sound like stell's ability to just remain hopeful always gives her a chance in in all the situations even if you know i just think it's easy to give up like it's so fucking easy just be like no i don't care i'm just gonna you know whatever like you know merrick in the beginning had just given up like he was just like i'm gonna fuck these bitches and do these drugs and so on and so forth it's so much harder to stay open and stay hopeful and um and i find that to be very like a virtuous stell's a very virtuous character to me she's kind of one of the coolest heroes I've ever met just because I've never seen and it's not cheesy either. I feel like Superman is like, oh, I'm just a hopeful guy. Yeah. Like it just seems it comes off like I'm really cheesy hopeful to me. Guy. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, man. But Superman also like, has powers. So like the reason for hope is obvious. Like like Stell has only had shit dealt to her and has no powers and still remains helpful. Like Yeah. It's very Yeah, yeah she's definitely so, one of the best women I just characters like, out there. For sure, for sure. I just Which feel like, image just lines up, dude. Yeah. Strong female leads, image kills it. Image is amazing. So, I mean, we've already touched on a lot of the Beneath the Ink, but I just feel like what's interesting is this this notion of hope in a hopeless situation and the ticking time bomb kind of reference that moves throughout the story and how, to me, that translates to like real-world headlines now. And, and even in those real-world headlines, you know, it, it begs to question, like, where's the hope at currently? Where will, yeah. it, where will it be in, in years to come? You know what I mean? And how will that affect, like, humanity and society overall? So that's, that's, that, were, that were my thoughts throughout this story. What, uh, what direction do you think we're heading in? you think we're going to be the hopeless? Well, here's the thing, man. I have – so you prompted me, Jordan. God damn it. I was trying not to get personal, and you, you done – made me do it um let it out big so guy. i'm i am very much i find myself to be merrick very much in a lot of ways because 
Um, I feel like he started off in a pretty good situation, a very hopeful situation. Um, and then over time, he kind of just got beaten down by going through hard shit. Um, and it, it becomes, you know, you can be hopeful and then you take a hit and then you're kind of just like, oh, fuck, like that hurt. And then you take another hit and you feel that, oh, that hurt. And eventually what, you, what happens is you become guarded. And you, you start to just be like, I don't want to, like, I'm, I don't want to hope, like, I don't want to feel that again. So you start to protect and that becomes like a, a hopeless situation because hope hurts when you get disappointed. Um, so, and so that's what Merrick does. Merrick kind of like starts off good, then goes off really, really dark. Um, and Stell is super hopeful and, you know, kind of brings him out of that. Um, and I feel like basically to answer your question, I think that where we're going to go is as... I mean, this might sound like a cop out, but I'm choosing to be an optimist today because <laughs> I'm 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 moving to Stell to the Stell side of things, um, and I think we're going to remain hopeful and we're going to figure it out. I like it, absolutely. We're going to find love in a hopeless place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jr., you think you think the same? Um, I've always been the realist. I think I've you know I am a realist. I I don't I'm not negative though. I'm not like this is gonna be the end of the world. And I've had to learn. I've had to train myself to do that though. Like I've had to get around the right people, get a, read the right books, listen to the right audios. You know, um, and I realize that uh, it might be painful now of a scenario or a situation, but from five years from now, it it. it it might be there, but it's not as painful. And so you, you're living your life, you know, money is, is a great example of that, you know, um, not to name names or anybody, but I was with someone and we were eating food and she was so worried about 10 bucks, 12 bucks. You know what I mean? She was so mad that she spent 12 bucks on food and I'm telling her, you know what? In like two weeks, you're not even going to care. So don't get upset about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. I've always been, you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't always been that way, but I had to learn myself to be that way. And I feel like we will be in a better spot most times. Um, I don't listen to news for a reason because news is always negative. Uh, <clears throat> but I do, I do like to uh, think that we're going to be, you know, in a much, much better spot uh, individually wise, socially wise um, in the future. And it's because we, we are determined to be better as humans. So uh, there's people like the three of us, you know, doing something creative. You know, Amber's very creative. You know, uh, we had a big conversation about that. I want her to put her stuff down. Let's do stuff. Let's. We have a very great avenue, and we live in a very great time for all of us. Um, you know, we're and to push forward and push that 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 light from the shell out into the world. And I think um, that's where I, I stand. And um, I haven't been negative since I was a kid. You know, I was pretty selfish as a kid, so early twenties, and <laughs> now I'm an adult. You know, in my mid thirties, yeah. it's it's pretty easy to be. I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make life work, the, and we'll live our lifestyle. Can I, can I say one more thing about this? Yeah, I think that um, this book, like, I didn't like to see myself in Merrick, and I think that I needed the aperture change to be like, wait a minute, if I'm next to Hope and I'm the guy that's getting mad at the person that's hopeful because it's annoying, <laughs> like like a lot of the times Merrick. Um, would get pissed at Stell, like, you're delusional. Like, you're just choosing to not look at the problem. You're choosing to look away from it. And I feel like that's, why would you do that? To see, like, myself in that character was like a reality check. Because I was just like, wait a minute. I don't want to be that fucking guy. Like, that's not the dude I'm trying to be. And I'd much rather be on the Stell side of things 
than on on Merrick's side of things. And then the 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 uh, it became apparent to me how much of a choice it actually is, because it's perspective. You could look yeah. at the same thing and just choose to see the good instead of the bad. Right. So it's actually not delusional. It's just you're making the choice to see the what could happen and what could be instead of just you know being pissed or upset about what 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 yeah. sucks about it. And so yeah. I think that it's been it's I don't know it's that's it's just been a crazy crazy ride, bro. I'm reading this book and I'm like making life assessments <laughs> and that shit. That means it's a great I'm like, book. Dude, oh my god. Like bro, yeah. me and Alicia had we've had so many deep conversations all week about this book. <laughs> like just like really digging into yeah. what it means to be optimistic and in and, and all that shit. So yeah. it's been fucking it's been rad. It's a great book to yeah, read. It's one of those books that, like, when you watch a movie, you're, like, crying. Cause, and you're like, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. I just watched a movie today that made me bawl worse than any Disney movie because of how... Babe? Uh, no. Um, it's extremely loud and close places or close... It's a very. It's a book written about 9-11 and their son oh, and their dad. Wow. And, and so... Uh, and this basically a family grieving and trying to cope with it. And it kind of coincided with this book, you know? And so... Um, you know when you read something good when you get emotionally involved. You know when you read something good when you're like, okay, this this changed the outlook of my life today. And I thank Rick Remender for that. I, and I can't wait to meet him. I'm going to meet him one day for sure. And uh, yeah, Spark, so you know, glad that you guys loved it. I'm glad that Zach had those sparked those conversations with him and Alicia. Right, it just builds your rela- relationships even deeper. Right, when you have those conversations, so. We're gonna. Yeah. We should send Rick a thank you card. Hop <laughs> hero, thank you. Card. Yeah, no, definitely no, Rick, send Rick, Rick a thank killed you card. it. And Zach, Zach took the words right out of my mouth, man. It, it was the biggest thing I took away was how much of a choice it is. It's not. It's not like it's just gonna happen, right? And it's not like, it's not like it's easy, and it's not like it's, like makes the most sense all the time. Nope. And that's when you have to make that decision. And it, it makes it made me think about today in society. Like obviously, a lot of these books relate to current society, and like we're in a dark place. And like a, a lot of separation, a lot of angst, a lot of hostility, and the the biggest thing to blame often is social media because the awareness is so much higher than ever right. has been. Like everything that happens, every single person knows about it, and it makes it so much darker. Like the ignorance is bliss is never to be overstated. Like if people didn't know, they'd be going along about their happy lives, and now everybody knows literally everything. And throw that on top of global warming, and it's 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 a dark time that makes it really hard to find optimism sometimes. But at the same time, I feel like we're in the first stage of how we, how mankind reacts to this kind of stuff. Like social media is still re- relatively fresh and we're, we're, we're adjusting to how to take in information and not let us damper everything and not let us ruin our mindsets and everything. And while it's tough and a lot of people will give up, I feel like ultimately we will all rise through it and not let it, take us down but how do we take this information and, and and react positively from it because like when Roan is taking Merrick's eye saying that my like like Zach was saying my favorite thing is to see hope drain from the person I'm killing or whatever and he's literally taking his eye he goes, as I'm taking his eye he's still fighting on for life and not thinking that it's over and not giving up like that's the one fault of mankind and it's like that's the the strength of mankind like we are we are fighters and it makes me want to go into the Independence Day speech we will not give up. We will not go quiet into the night. Maybe it's just that today is the Independence Day or whatever. And it's just like, it's so true because that's just who we are. And 
And and no matter how dark it gets, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Mm. And that is that is the direction that we're heading in. So yeah, it's it, it's shitty right now, but I have hundred percent faith that the right minds and the right people will rise up over it, and that will surpass and overcome and triumph the negativity that we're currently wading through. So, and I just think it takes courage to be hopeful, 100%. to be optimistic. It takes courage. You have to be ready and willing to be disappointed and just push right through that. Like I feel like today's warrior is the optimist in a yep. lot of ways. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I like that. All right. Well, uh, let's go into uh, hate or love it. So we've kind of said our pieces, but um, I do have some things I want to critique. So um, <laughs> let's go through. JR started off. Hate or love um, it? What do you think? Love it. Duh. <laughs> One of my favorite okay. books that um, come out in the last five years, for sure. Um, if not, what do you the got for uh, the top book? I'd say really. that's pretty sure. And you, read a, book. you read a shit ton. So yeah, that's impressive. That's high praise. Yeah. Okay. Any any anything that you think could have been better? Um, there are times where I'm glad I, I did reread it because when I first read it, there's a lot of things that I missed. Right, like. Uh, there are things that are so deep that I guess it was too deep for me to understand sometimes. But that, other than that, I just it's like when you read a good book, you got to go back sometimes. And um, glad I reread it, honestly. So there was things that I couldn't understand, and um, but other than that, it, it was really nothing, you know, that I I didn't I didn't love about it. I mean, the colors, the art, obviously, the the writing and the characters were completely different than our normal readings in Marvel and DC Comics so it was a is a great book okay what do you get out of 10 I'm going to give it a 9.8 oh <laughs> my god <laughs> all right Z follow that up man I mean I loved it it's like no question in my mind this book was um fucking like a this is why humans tell stories I think like books like this and experiences like this are why storytelling has moved from generation to generation ever since the beginning of humankind. Ever since humans knew how to convey meaning through sound, they started telling stories. And it's for moments and, and times like this when you when you can read a book and see characters and see yourself in those characters and then have the space between the character and yourself to make objective decisions and then and then changes in what you're doing. And I think that that's really fucking important like this book to me is um just such a beautiful story a really interesting concept and i mean if i had a critique it would probably be at points i thought the art wasn't as detailed as i'd like it to be but i mean at that at that point i'm just picking needles out of a haystack like i just i loved it i loved it it's one of the one of the better books i've graphic novels stories i've ever read in my life Okay. Well, well, what do you give it? Ten. Wow. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Book. Perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's let's take it down a notch. Um. No, I I fucking loved it. I I don't hate it at all. I loved it. Um, it's exactly. I I completely agree. This is why people write stories. This is what the writer wants the readers to feel. That wants them to contemplate their current thoughts and wants them to give them some perspective on what they're going through and knowing that they're not alone. Like everybody goes through these trials and tribulations while they be in different levels and everything. And, and it makes you really appreciate like 
I was outside appreciating the sky, which I never do. But it's like, <laughs> fuck. If I'm living underwater for millennia, like, I haven't seen stars. I'm running out of oxygen. I'm just, like, out here just, like, <sighs> like, I have everything that's so hard in our lives, like, could be so much worse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I loved it. Um, critiques, I do have a couple of them. And they're not, like, overly crazy. But I feel like there was a lot of commonly used tropes in this storyline that I've seen before. Like, if this was above water on land, it's Mad Max. It's it's almost the epitome of Mad Max, beyond Thunderdome. Like, the protagonist, the hopeful protagonist trying to kind of save... I mean, obviously, there's more family involved in this one, but with, like, the Savage City and literally the Gladiator Dome is Thunderdome. Like, it's it was, like, almost the exact same storyline. So I thought that was a kind of a little bit used. Um, and don't hate me, but I feel like... The word low was used a hundred times and I feel like hope was used like a hundred times. And like while the theme was hope and it was beautiful and I loved it, it was like 90% of the dialogue. Uh, it was being hopeful and, and letting hope prevail. And like the message was not only like delivered, but it was kind of like hammered into the, into my brain, you know? So it, which is a good thing. It's hope. It's beautiful. It's not a bad thing, but I feel like it wasn't as subtle as it possibly could have been. So that was my only critiques. I love the book. It's definitely something you should read. Um, but I gave it, and, and I didn't like the art, but JR kind of corrected me on the art. So I was going to give it a 7.5, but I give it an 8 because the art makes more sense now. So Pretty high. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be probably our highest score ever. So out of all of us, we give it a 9.3. So 93%. Um, that's really good. hard to beat. That's really fucking good. So it's really fucking good. What that means is you better go out and read this. And, yeah, you gotta read uh, it. We didn't spoil the future ones, so thank you for that, Jr. and Zach. Uh, well, Zach, you haven't gotten there yet, I guess, but we want to get there. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. We'll do more episodes. I think they're. I think going to turn yeah. this into a TV show, maybe one day with or a movie. I, if it's image, I if they I do, know, I imagine I it's. I'm ready for that. I imagine it'd be animated because I don't know how you create that world. I don't That'd know. Be so expensive. I don't know. We'll um, if they have that kind of budget, that'd be dope. Giddy up. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Let's close out with some plugs. Uh, anything you guys want to give a shout out to? Anybody you want to say hi to? Anybody you want to plug? Um, I, I just, you know, for us, I think the one thing I love about this podcast, particularly the three of us, is we're always looking forward and always looking to push this podcast harder. So we've got a lot of cool things in the works, right? Some things that we want to do, move into what other podcasts are doing. Um, and you know, I think that's the cool part about it. So other than that, I got nothing else and I've got some ideas that, that we can, we can benefit from. And, um, I'm looking more into art these days, selling art. You know, I I think I want to do an art show soon, something like that. So, but I'll let you guys know. Nice. Very cool. Right on Z. Uh, same thing, uh, artzenith.com. Uh, we have three really awesome podcasts, um, Hop Heroes, Tectonic Shifts, Sleep Easy. I'll also say this, if you're a listener of this show and you really like it, um, we would appreciate it more than life if you just told a friend. Um, if you know anybody that you thought liked the show or is into craft beers or would think that we're funny or wants to make fun of us or anything like that. Um, we don't do any paid advertisement for, at all right now. We've just grown everything that we've done uh, 100% organically. And so we depend a lot on word of mouth. And so 
um, any help that you can give us, you know, let people know that we're out here and we're doing this, um, that would be much appreciated. Jordan will kiss you on the mouth. <laughs> on the lips. Big fat yep. smoocher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And as always, follow us on at Hop Heroes Pod, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. Find us at Hop Heroes. And um, we are now on YouTube. Uh, this episode is not going to be uh, on YouTube because our guy in the chair, Vinny McBroom, uh, his little brother, Cody, got married. So congrats to Cody. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to the McBroom fam. And uh, he's out there partying up. So um, this, this episode will not have video, but we will have video posted from our Magicians episode um, that you can watch. So. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Please spread the word. Um, tell your friends. I've had a few people actually reach out to me that are my good friends uh, years later saying, hey, I finally gave your podcast a listen. It's actually really funny. And it's like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so let's let's get that ball rolling and, and, and spread the word. Uh, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you all next week. All Peace. Right,